Alright, good morning. Welcome back to Driving Theology. My name is Mike, and it is a rainy spring day. Sorry, I've got my noisy rain jacket on. Things settle down, should be better. Turn down all the necessary stuff. Yeah, it is, what, April 26th, I believe. And my wife just headed out of town for a few weeks yesterday. So it's just gonna be me and my daughter and the dogs at home. For a couple weeks. Uh, my oldest daughter, Anna, is getting married. And she is, um, she lives in Hawaii and my wife has gone there to help with some preparations and my youngest daughter is also in Hawaii living with my oldest daughter and she's uh, right now looking for a job so my wife's also going there to encourage her and to help her in any way we can so she'll be gone for a few weeks getting ready for the wedding which will uh, which will God willing happen in July July 15th is the date going for. Uh, so we'll all be heading there then. Which means between now and then we have a lot of preparation to do and, you know, schedules to tweak and tickets to buy and all that kind of stuff. And I would love to lose several pounds. I don't know why weddings have become this this thing that people lose weight for. I know why brides do it. You know, they want to look great for their wedding photos because those photos are something that people will look at, you know, for the, the rest of your life, I suppose, is what a lot of people look at it as. And so they want to look their best at their wedding, which is totally reasonable. Watching this show called This Is Us, I don't know if you've seen it yet, I think it's in like season six, or there are six, six seasons, or maybe a seventh already in the works, I have no idea. I'm only now just starting season three. Um, I've watched season two twice. Uh, I watched it and then just kind of stopped watching the series for whatever reason, just lost interest or something. But it's really is a good series. It's it's not like anything that's um, out there today. It's it's quite unique. And I would venture to say a little bit more realistic than most shows. It's not not totally realistic, you know. It's it's a family with some extraordinary people in it, but they all have very ordinary problems, very old ordinary faults. That no matter how extraordinary they are, they still have um, you know stuff that they deal with, and. Uh, yeah, um, I, I I think the show, my assumption is where the show comes from. Hold on, I got something that's going to be causing a lot of noise here. I'd really love to nail down if I could, but I'm sure I can. It's just really rattly. Let's see. Uh, the, the concept of the show, I have a feeling, is childhood trauma and what it does to us 
right? What what childhood trauma, uh, the effect it has on us over time and as we become adults. So we meet these three siblings, uh, two natural, one adopted. Uh, two of them are twins. Uh, they were all born on the same day, so in a sense, they're triplets. Um, and every season is a year of their life. The uh, first episode starts with their birthday and goes, you know, I don't know, 15 or 16 episodes uh, for a season, something like that. Uh, and it's, it's how these three people, um, spoiler alert, if you want to watch it, this is not a huge spoiler alert because this show is full of mysteries and it, it, it gives you mystery and it solves them within one season, uh, more or less within one season. Uh, some mysteries are held out to the second season, but basically it's these three adult kids who are, I think they turned 36 on the very first episode, uh, have dealt with the death of their father that had happened something like 18 years earlier, when they were 17, maybe 19. Uh, so 19 years earlier, their father, their beloved father died, the man who they loved very much, and when we meet them, the wife is remarried, um, the kids are adults, but they still really haven't dealt with the trauma of having lost their father. And the show documents, I suppose is a good way to say it, documents how they've been dealing with this death ever since. And there's a lot of... Um, a lot of flashbacks and flash forwards in this show. It's very busy, very involved that way. Sorry, I'm adjusting my hoodie. I got a hoodie and a hoodie and it's really lumpy in the back of my head. It's not better at all. But oh well. Uh, so they deal with, yeah, the show is basically, in my opinion, uh, the show is trying to teach people that we need to deal with things that happen in our childhood so that we can uh, be better in the present, I suppose. Uh, and, and better, I suppose, means healthier, happier for ourselves and for those around us. Um, I suppose that's probably the, the theme and the, the purpose uh, of the writer's and I, I bet if we were to know who these writers were, we might find that they, they had the same experience, that they had childhood trauma that needed to be dealt with uh, and that caused problems in their life. And through, I don't know, therapy or just life, they figured this out and, and were able to uh, come to terms uh, with, um, with their life better because they dealt with their trauma and then they wanted to teach other people. This is just all a guess. Uh, this is just speculation. Just by having watched the first season twice and now the second season. Uh, that's my guess of where this all comes from. 
and in in psychology, this is a very um, very much a current issue, right? A uh, a thing that psychology is dealing with now, um, trying to figure out how we are formed by the experiences, the child exper experiences we have uh, have had, especially traumatic experiences. And the thing is, what is not traumatic to an adult might be traumatic to a child. So something that adult sees, an adult sees or experiences may not be very traumatic, but when a child through their limited experience and knowledge sees something, that very same thing may be quite a traumatic event. Uh, and, and I think we all... Uh, have had them and sometimes a traumatic event we have a, a child is not registered as trauma then it's, it's something else it's you know it doesn't doesn't really bother us as a child so much even though even though I think we know it changes us but I don't think we would that anybody would notice that we were had a traumatic experience and I don't think we necessarily knew it either but later we find out that that experience or that that knowledge that we gained a little too early or uh, the things that we saw a little bit before we were ready for it uh, has changed us um, permanently. Um, permanently. I, I think permanently is okay to say. And the thing is, I, I think this happens to everybody. I think it's a part of... Um, the experience of maturing and growing up is that we're going to see things before we are ready to see them and or hear things before we're in, we are ready to hear them and it can it changes us it, it makes us into who we are it's 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 part of the <laughs> in a bad way i suppose it's part of the spice of life the question is the question is, do we know it, and can we now channel it into more positive ways, or are we still unaware of the effects it's had on us, uh, and are fighting against certain things that we have today that were caused by that, you know, addictions or, um, you know, what have you. And so knowing this, the, the idea, and I don't, I don't know that this is true, I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist, but I think people would say that knowing this and dealing with it and remembering is the path toward healing, right? It's the path toward healing. And yeah, I'm kind of, I understand that, right? I get that. Uh, I recently went through some uh, family meetings where we dealt with a lot of past trauma um, or where people were dealing with a lot of past trauma. Uh, and I guess in a sense it's cathartic, right? It's The problem is it's, it can be a fairly deep rabbit hole uh, and once you open up that box, you can't really close it. And now you have to deal with it whether whether or not you feel like you're ready to deal with it or not. 
right? Um, I think there's a time and a place for everybody. I think everybody um, probably has a better, an optimum time to deal with this stuff. Uh, but of course, we are not going to be afforded that. There, there's really not much control we have over the, the timing of such things, right? Sometimes they just come to us suddenly. We remember, and uh, a lot of things are opened up. Uh, yeah, so there are things that I found out about family members that I really didn't know much about um, that was quite... Um, surprising and and I have to say good to know um, but anyway this show this is us seems to that seems to be a, a the prevailing theme of the show um, and I have a feeling it's just gonna get deeper and deeper into that as the seasons go on <clears throat> so the I think the question is the question is, because this is not something really that you find as a major theme in the teachings of Jesus, right? The theme of you need to go back and face your the people that have hurt you uh, and come to terms with all of that. It's, it's not something that Jesus really deals with, I don't think. Now, maybe, maybe if you're seeing reading the Bible through that lens, there may be some things that pop out. Um, and I suppose this, the Sermon on the Mount would be the place to go for that. But the prevailing, the prevailing theme, and one of the prevailing themes of Jesus, of course, is just forgiveness, outright, blanket, total forgiveness. Forgive people for what they do. Right? And that through forgiveness, we are able to, to move on and to be changed. And the other part is, you know, when you are found out in sin, uh, just go forward and stop sinning. Right? Go forward and, and don't sin anymore. And I think part of the, part of the reason of this is, and I, I, I think think this is something that is is part of the teaching of Jesus part of the reason that you just need to stop sinning and sin as little as possible and just go on with your life and try to do better this this is because everybody sins right everybody is both the victim of sin and a perpetrator of sin everybody has done stuff and Jesus understands and he doesn't hold us at fault for those sins, right? The fact that everybody sins and everybody has sinned is because we live in this, you know, fallen, broken world uh, that, you know, in which sin is a, a real force to be reckoned with. You know, it's a, it's a real thing. It's not, it's not something that is... Um, what would you say? Uh, it, it's not uh, abstract. It's 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 quite real and tangible, right? 
that evil does happen in the world. And yet, we we did not bring the evil into the world. The evil was in the world that we were born into. We are not the ones who brought evil into the world. Evil found us and answered us. This is why Paul says, you know, yet not I but Christ living in me. And then he turns around and says, yet not, not I but sin in me does bad stuff. Right? And he says, this is why I do the things that I don't want to do. I know things that I do are wrong. I know they're wrong and I don't want to do them, but but sin does them in me nonetheless. And that we have we have very little control over that sometimes. And I think everybody, all of us, has some area in our life in which we are not in control as much as we'd like to be. Whether it's just our tongue uh, or our body uh, or our thoughts uh, or whatever. Sometimes we say and do and think things that we really don't want to do and we know we shouldn't do and yet we continue to do no matter how, how much we want not to do them. And that's because there, there is a sense in which sin is, is stronger than us. And if it weren't so, there would be people who have lived perfect lives other than Jesus, and there just aren't any. Because we do come to a point in our life where we don't want to sin. We don't want to, and yet there's a part of our body that can't not help but go there. And again, I'm not talking about any specific kind of sin. I have my own ideas of what my problems are. Um, but I have yet to meet anybody who isn't, on occasion, selfish, unkind, proud, arrogant, um, who doesn't have bad thoughts, whether violent or sexual, uh, and so these things are going to continue to challenge you through your life and, and the, the story of your life if it's on a good trajectory is just your constant battle with these things and not giving in to them and that means you're going to lose some battles but hopefully you're going to win a lot of battles too and yet this thing is going to continue to rear its ugly head it's just there it's something that that you did not ask to be put there. You did not uh, ask for it. And a lot of these things, in fact, came into your mind and body and life when you were little. And you had no control over that. Now, if anybody had control over that, it'd be adults in your life, whether parents or teachers. Uh, they would be the people that, that, you know, should have been protecting you from those things. And yet, and yet, they knew they should have been protecting you from those things, and they probably did the best they could, because they are also <laughs> plagued by the, the, same, the same fight, the same battle, the same sickness that we all are plagued with, and that is dealing with sin and being born into a world where sin and evil are real things. And the thing is... 
the thing is, our faults do not define us. They don't. And not only our faults, the things that people have done wrong to us do not define us. Not in any real way. The only way that they will define us is if we allow them to define us that way. Our, our identity, our identity is in Christ. And Christ says we are good, we are perfect, we are pure, we are clean, we are white as snow. He has made us so, and he sees us as so, and he does not hold our sins against us. Now, even though he knows that sin is the thing in the world that continues to cause the suffering and the pain that he would alleviate for all of us if he could, and that by us dealing with sin and sinning less, even if we never become sinless, by sinning less and, and fighting this battle, we, we usher in healing and, and help and, and, and you know, we, we help restore the goodness in the world by, by fighting that fight for him. It's still not something that defines us. We are not defined by the bad things people have done to us. We are de defined and we are identified. We get our identity by the one who created us. And that identity never changes for Christ. We will always be safe in that identity. Even if you don't know Christ, you are safe in that identity. He loves you. He doesn't hold your sins against you. Yes, he wants you to sin less, but that's because helps you suffer less and it helps the people around you suffer less and when suffering is alleviated that's the definition of heaven and anytime suffer is suffering is alleviated on earth anytime suffering is alleviated on earth that's heaven happening when people are healed that's heaven. When people are filled, that's heaven. When people are brought in and accepted, that's heaven. So my fear is that in the dealing with these traumatic things that have happened to us, my fear is that we allow that to, to, to define us. We start making our identity uh, as, as how we see ourselves. And we see all of our faults and we know our shortcomings and we, we know the things that people have done bad to us. And I think there is a danger that we define ourselves ourselves as victims. And that we lose our identity as victorious. Because we are victorious in Christ. We are more than conquerors in Christ. That's our identity. Yes, bad stuff happened to us, and we've done bad stuff to people. But that doesn't identify the people that we have hurt, nor does it identify or define ourselves. 
Our identity is in Christ. And the bad that we've done, we didn't want to do, and yet sin did it in us nonetheless. There's a battle going on in each of us. And I think I think the good life is found in doing battle, right? In joining the battle, in fighting. Uh, you, you may not win every battle. You, in fact, you won't win every battle. You won't. But you will win the war because Christ's identity is defining you as victorious, as more than a conqueror, supersedes your identity as a broken, damaged human being. It supersedes it. You are more than that. I am more than that. And the thing is, we all pay for our sins. And sometimes we pay for the sins of others. The consequences of of evil and doing bad things to people and bad things doing doing uh, bad people doing things to you bad people is the wrong way to say this but the the consequences of people doing bad things to you is that you are in many ways damaged you are a victim you are a victim of sin and you are also a perpetrator of sin we all are and if that was the end of our story then we are all lost and we are all without hope but it's not the end of our story Jesus came he died on a cross for all of these perpetrators all of these victims and everybody who's a victim is also a perpetrator everybody we all are and he came to die for everybody because he knows that we are powerless to stop sinning we're powerless we don't have the power to stop sinning but he has the power to let us know in no uncertain terms that he loves us anyway and that that is not going to be the story that defines us that there is another narrative There's the narrative that he is writing, that he has written for each of us, and our names are in the book of life. And his story is the final story. His story is the complete story. His story is the last chapter. And the last chapter is what matters the most. And the last chapter is already written. You're already in the last chapter. It's not something that you have to wait for. It's something you have received. Uh, We also call this eternal life in English. You have received eternal life. Eternal life is yours to have. And we know that that eternal life promises a life without suffering, a life without tears, a life without victimhood, uh, a life without uh, being a victim of our own sins, of, of the own sin that lives in our body of our own sin that lives in our body. We will be released of all that. And already we are released in the sense that Christ has completely forgiven us. 
of all of that. That's already yours. Wow, making lunch got the time today, thank goodness. Unless they finished the road. So I know some people really need to deal with this trauma and, and I don't I don't begrudge them at all. Uh, any of that. Um, but I hope you come out of it soon because there is a there is a brighter, better day, a better place to be. Um, and that is discovering that Christ does not see you as any of that. Uh, that he, he sees you as unblemished, white as snow. I can say about all that. Um, I can say that, you know, whether whether what I said is true or not just now about all of this, whether or not I'm correct, uh, even if I am correct about it all, it doesn't mean that I have somehow, you know, what's the, what's the word we use now? <laughs> Hacked. I have not hacked the Christian life to be above the consequences of my own sin and my own shortcomings. I, I haven't. I continue to pay for them. I continue to, to do bad things, and I continue to uh, reap what I sow. You know, it's, it's, it's just kind of how the world works. It's, it's the natural consequences of sin. But I do hope that I'm doing less damage than I did. Uh, that I'm learning, that I'm, I'm, I'm looking for people I can uh, help get over their suffering, that I'm going forward, uh, that I'm not defining people by what's happened to them, nor am I allowing myself to be defined by what's happened to me or what I've done, that I can see other people as Christ sees them. That's what I see in Christ, and that's what I see in Paul. And so, I don't know. I, I, I'm again. I'm not a psychologist, and I'm not a Christian psychologist. I'm none of that. So, I don't know. You tell me. You know what is the what is the correct way that. All of this stuff is dealt with, and what is the, how are we to, um, how are we to go forward, how are we to heal, do we need to dig up all this stuff from our childhoods in order to heal and to be better and to go forward, well I would say if, you know, if, if you are if you are not able to go forward, if you have hit a, a roadblock and that roadblock is attached to childhood trauma, then by all means, you know, maybe you need to 
you know, maybe you need to uh, open that up. Maybe you need to, to face it for a little bit um, and then move on. As long as you don't allow your identity to sit too long there. As long as you are moving towards seeing yourself as Christ sees you. For we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? Uh, yeah. I will say this, just as a caveat. A lot of the sins perpetrated are because of a uh, patristic society, a patriarchal society where men have been uh, abusers and have been allowed to abuse. Uh, and that that's, to me, a slightly separate issue because that, of course, it's all tied together. Um, but if, if things are happening because of an, an unegalitarian society, in other words, a society where, where men have way too much power and that power has corrupted them to the point where they're abusing uh, people with less power, whoever that might be, uh, that's, a, that, you know, that's also a social issue. And I'm glad we're dealing with that. I'm glad we're starting to recognize that that, that has happened a lot and, and that's something that needs to change in society both uh, in religious uh, groups and, and circles and, and churches and what have you uh, as well as society in general uh, that there are men and have been men and probably will still be men in power who use that that position and authority to basically to feed their desires, whether it be uh, sexual desires or greed or just you know raw power, whatever it is, uh, th this is something that's definitely something that needs to be faced and 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 stamped out. But to me, it's it's the same it's the same thing that needs to be stamped out in a way that Nelson Mandela did, right? In a way that that heals the community, where where people will come together and forgive one another, and recognize that even even men in power, and even you know middle-aged white men in power, did what they did not because they wanted to do it, but because sin had a strong presence in them, and that they were brought up in such a way that allowed that to happen, that, that, that there, there was a system that supported them in the, in the bad stuff that they did, and that the system and sin is to blame, and that these guys need healing as much as anybody, as much as anybody. Uh, so the, you know, the, the first thing is, we need to stop the system. This 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 system needs to be stopped in its tracks. And if you know through the Me Too tumor movement, 
uh, Me Too movement and, and a lot of these other things, if this system is brought to its knees, the system, mind you, uh, and it happens less, then this is a good thing, right? This is this is something good that, that can come out of this. And if, if dealing with trauma in this way also brings about uh, a more just world, then by all means, uh, we should explore it. Um, and we need healing. We, we need healing for all involved in that system. But the system is bigger than people, right? The systems of the world uh, are, are basically the, the laws by which a world ruled by sin operates, right? There are natural laws uh, and, you know, sometimes we call them the laws of the jungle and whatnot, but, you know, the strongest survive. Uh, the, the weak members of the herd are weeded out. Um, it's a dog-eat-dog -dog world. Uh, you, you have to fight your way to the top. Um, you know, go get your piece of the pie. You know, all, this, all these kinds of things that the world has been telling us and oftentimes in different generations are seen as virtuous uh, you know those things that have gone into our head we've been we've been indoctrinated uh, not to mention nationalism right American nationalism for me uh, is something that I was indoctrinated in it's not something that I uh, you know created myself we were taught this stuff in school that America is exceptional, that America is the beacon of light to the world, that, that America only does what's right, and that America is the chosen people. All this kinds of stuff, you know, this was indoctrinated into us. Um, and yes, part of it is the perception of a child that maybe full-grown adults wouldn't get this, but that's how we come out of school thinking come out of school believing all that. In fact, I believed all that until I was 26 and moved to Japan and started seeing the world from a different perspective. Wow, the river's really low. It's raining pretty high. It's about to go up really fast. Like I've, I've never seen the river so low. My goodness. It's going to come up fast, though. It's raining hard today. So anyway, uh, that's where I got to today. Um, if you are somebody who is dealing with past trauma uh, and you're in the middle of, uh, you know, maybe you are a member of Celebrate Recovery, whatever, uh, I applaud your efforts to get to the, the bottom of uh, your own suffering and, and shortcomings and, and, and to deal with maybe addictions that you have and all kinds of other things. Uh, but I also hope that in Celebrate Recovery, you are being reminded time and time again that you are not defined by the bad things you've done nor the bad things that have been done to you. That, that does not have to define you. I hope that you will celebrate your recovery in Christ, your identity in Christ, sorry. Uh, thank you so much. Got to get to work. Bye-bye.